for the Lord, I mean, for this nation, we want to definitely acknowledge that. Is there any veterans that are here in this in this church? Wow, we have a few. Yeah? Amen. Well, we're going to pray for the veterans anyway, so let's pray for them, and we thank the Lord for them. Heavenly Father, we do thank you as we just again acknowledge, Lord Jesus, just these men that get used, Lord, these men that, that Lord, as we gather for Veterans Day, as we just uh, gather this morning, Lord, on Veterans Day weekend, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the amazing work, the amazing work, Lord, that you've done in their hearts, Lord, as they really were a reflection of you, as they gave their lives for you, as they gave their lives for this nation. Lord, you gave your life for us, Lord, and Lord, we're doing what you do. And so we just thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for them. And may the veterans be honored this weekend, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for them giving their lives for each and every one of us so that we can be free and we can worship you for the protection of your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And as we continue through 1 Corinthians chapter 7, today we will speak on living for him. Living for him no matter the circumstances, that's what we're called to do, live for him no matter the circumstances. And this is the title of today's message. And I want to just begin by asking those that are here just some, a question and, you know, just give me a show of hands. How many of you were called into the faith when you were married? Show of hands. Called into the faith when you were married? How many of you were called into the faith when you were single? I think we have a number of those here. And how many of you were called when you were working and employed at a job? I think most of us, right? Some of us were students. Many of us were working. How many of you were unemployed when you were called into the faith? Anybody here? Okay, a couple of you. How about, you know, as we think about many of us as we are here in this country, many of us were called into the faith while we were in this country country, right? And whatever status we are in, whatever circumstances we are in, I want you to know that we have been called to live for him. Remember this, if you're married, as we've been called into the faith, we are called to leave our spouse and to serve him, okay? And as we are employed by a job, as we're going to see today, he isn't asking you to leave your job and to serve him. Yes, we'll leave our job if we are in a sinful occupation. For example, I mean, as we surrender our lives to the Lord, if we were a drug dealer, he wouldn't expect us to continue to sell drugs. If we are for the women if there's or men, if there's any, if you were serving as a prostitute or working as a prostitute, he wouldn't expect you to continue to remain as a prostitute and serve him. You know, as we're called here in this country, he isn't asking many of us to leave this country and to serve him. And I say these things that maybe not immediately, but we know that as we're going to see today that wherever we are, we're called to live for him, wherever we're at, and whatever status we're in. Even though these things can change, we know that. For example, if you are single or widow or divorced, he may bring you a spouse so that you can serve together. If you're employed or unemployed, he may bring you a job where you can serve the Lord. And if you're here in this country, if he desires, he can send you into a new city or another country to serve him. 
what he really wants to say, the underlying message here is that we shouldn't focus so much on our status or circumstances. What he wants us to do is just to live for him. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break down this study into four sections. And we're going to talk about living for him in our marital status in verse 17. Living for him in our national status in verses 18 through 19. Living for him in our occupational status, verses 20 through 22. And living for him wholeheartedly, as we're going to conclude in verses 23 to 24. And so, the first subject matter is living for him in our marital status. And let's go ahead and read verse 17, and let's talk about this. It says, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. God has, dis- as it says, but as God has distributed to each one. What has he distributed? As we shared last week, we discussed the topic of marriage. You know, in verses 1 through 16, we discussed the topic of marriage. We discussed the Christian marriage. We discussed the unmarried Christian. And we discussed the mixed marriage. That's between a believer and an unbeliever. And we talked about how God gives the gift of marriage as well as we talked about the gift of celibacy. And as we think about this, Paul, as he says here, we are called to live for him in whatever he has gifted us with. As he says here, so let him walk. And as we see this, right, we're called as he's talking about marriage here. This is really what he's discussing here. But as God has distributed to each one, he's really discussing the gift of marriage. And he's saying here, you know, basically we're not to leave our spouse in order to live for him. Or we're not to get married and in order to live for him. And we're called to live for him in whatever he has gifted us. Don't think that we need to leave our spouse in order to live for the Lord. Or as I mentioned in getting married or and many people have said this very thing, you know, as, or they thought this very thing, that as soon as I get married, then I'm going to serve the Lord. And that's not really what the Lord is saying here. He's calling us to live for Him, no matter our status and our circumstances. So in other words, if you are married and you got saved, in other words, you became a believer, you live for the Lord and pray that your spouse gets saved. If you're single, then it's more reason to serve the Lord with no distractions. You know, let me give you some history on my marriage. When it came to my relationship with the Lord, I, I didn't know the Lord when, I, when my wife and I met. I was an unbeliever when we met. And my wife, she was actually in a backslidden state. In other words... She wasn't serving the Lord. She had, you know what, walked away from the Lord. And, and if she wasn't in a backslidden state, if she would have been in the Lord, then I know she wouldn't have married me because I was an unbeliever. And the word of God says that what, we're not to be unequally yoked. Nancy was introduced to Christianity at a very young age. She was a young girl. And she was introduced to Christianity by several family members. As for myself, I want you to know that I never visited a Christian church prior to meeting Nancy. I never once 
visited a Christian church. I, I don't even remember anybody ever coming to me and talking to me about Christianity. But when we got married, it was Nancy that kept encouraging me to visit or encouraging us to visit a Christian church. And I would always reject the idea. But as I struggled in life and our marriage began to struggle, I also had a family member that was inviting me to attend Calvary Chapel Montebello. And the only reason I actually went there was because of the struggles, and not only the struggles, but because I saw changes in my family member, and not only in him, but I saw changes in another family member. And remember, our testimony is used by the Lord powerfully. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, where he says that, we are an epistle known and read by all men. So in other words, people are looking at you, and you never know your life changes, your life that is now in the Lord is a testimony for others to draw them to the Lord, and that's really what God used in my life. And so I attended the church on my own. I went to Calvary Chapel Montebello without my wife. You know, it was one of those things where you think to yourself, my wife has been encouraging me and, and really just uh, uh, constantly reminding me that we should go to a Christian church, and yet I went on my own. And that was all I needed. I, I attended the church for about three to four weeks, and, and then I made a decision. I made a decision, and it was the best decision of my life to surrender my life and to live for the Lord. And as I surrendered my life to the Lord, I wasn't called to leave my wife, as we're talking about this now, and to live for the Lord. I was called to live for the Lord whether she would come or not. And that is exactly what I did. I kept going to church, and for those three to four weeks, I went on my own. And it didn't matter whether, whether she was with me or not. She finally came. She finally joined me there at Calvary Chapel Montebello after I had surrendered my life. And, and that's when I and we both began to live for Jesus. And what was amazing about that is that that's when things began to change in my marriage. And this is exactly what began to happen. My marriage improved. My love for my wife improved. And not that I was perfect, but I was a lot better than I was without Jesus. And so this is what Paul is trying to say. And you know what? If you have an unbelieving spouse, it doesn't matter. You walk as you, uh, you live for the Lord as, as he has called you in whatever state you're in. If your spouse comes with you, great. If she doesn't, then pray for her. But if your spouse is with you and you both come together, that's even better. But as we see this, this is just what Paul is trying to say. And another thing that I did get from this is where he says there, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. You and I are called to walk as the Lord has called us. In other words, don't get upset in, your, in the status that you're in. Don't get upset if you're married and, and you know what, and you wish you were unmarried. Don't get upset if you're unmarried and wish that you were married. Be content in whatever state that you're in. And this is what Paul shares with us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, where he says, For I have learned in whatever state I am 
to be content. We are called to be content in whatever state that we're in. You are to make the best of it, and you are to live for the Lord. And that's what he's sharing with us. Live for him. Make the best out of your situation that you're in today. And and if God is going to gift you with a spouse, understand that that spouse is going to come. And if that spouse, as we know, as, and if you're married and you come to the Lord and she's not married, then you do what God has called you to do. And as he tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, that maybe through your godly behavior, your spouse will come to know the Lord. And so the reminder always that you and I are called to live for him no matter what. Let's look now at living for him in our national status. And let's read verses 18 and 19. It says here in verse 18, Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So now we're looking at the second section of of today's message, living for him in your national status. This section uses circumcision as a way of explaining the importance of living for the Lord as he has called you. See, what Paul uses here is he uses here the Jew and the Gentile, right? No matter if you're a Jew or not, if God has called you, you serve him as you're called, he says. Basically, that's what he's saying, Jew or not. For the Jews, we know one thing about circumcision. It was commanded by the Lord. And what was the circumcision? We're talking about the physical circumcision here, not the spiritual. I'll go into that in just a bit. But the physical circumcision is really the surgical removal of the foreskin from the male organ. So it's a surgical removal of the foreskin from the male organ. And for the Gentiles, understand this, these are the non-Jews. Circumcision was uncommon. Not that it was absent, but it would be performed for medical reasons. But what Paul is saying here, if you are a circumcised Jew, don't become uncircumcised. You know, when you think about cutting off the foreskin, how can you not become uncircumcised? Let me give you some insight here, and, and I'll give you some, uh, some, just some bit of information. You know, 200 years before the birth of Christ, it was written in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verse 16, which is a historical book of the Apocrypha. That's part of the, uh, of the Catholic uh, Bible. In 1 Maccabees chapter 1, 16, it says that the Jews, for the fear of Antiochus Epiphanes, which was the Greek king, they attempted to uncircumcise themselves. Why would they uncircumcise themselves for fear of him? They had a fear of him. Remember, he came against the Jews. And so what would they do to uncircumcise themselves? They stretched the circumcised skin. They would stretch it and stretch it and stretch it until once again it would overlap. And so as Paul wrote this to us, this isn't very common, but To Paul, when he wrote this, this was pretty relevant in that day. And as we know, as Paul was referring to a physical circumcision, we know also that he 
year as he also is relating to a spiritual circumcision. You know, as we think about just a spiritual circumcision to, to remove those things that, that are of the flesh within our heart. And so Paul, as Paul is saying, if you are an uncircumcised Gentile, don't circumcise yourself. Just remain as you are. And as he goes on to say, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. And we have to remember that focus that we're talking about. Living for Jesus is all that matters. This is what we're talking about. Living for Jesus is all that matters. And I want to make sure that we understand this, that living for Jesus is revealed in your obedience to Jesus. Let me repeat that. Living for Jesus is revealed in your obedience to Jesus. See, if the Lord is truly your master, then as Christians, we're called to obey him. If he's our master, then we're going to obey the one that we call master. And we're going to talk about this at the end. So I just really want to really talk now about how this applies to us, right? This this national status, this, you know, what this living for him in our national status. As we see here, Paul is talking about the circumcised and the uncircumcised Gentiles. We, as we know that for us, whatever country we are a citizen of, remember this, we are to live for Jesus. Whatever country you are a citizen of, you are to live for the Lord. You are to live for Jesus. Living for him is what we're talking about. You know, when it comes to us, as we're very active in the country of Mexico, you know, we've met various pastors in Mexico, and, and when we went to visit the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Michoacan, he was actually serving the Lord here at Calvary Chapel, Pico. And he got deported, right? He got deported to Mexico, and and that's where he planted Calvary Chapel Michoacan. See, he was serving the Lord in the U.S., and he continued to serve the Lord in Mexico. And that's just really what we're talking about here. Wherever you're at, you're called to serve the Lord. The pastor of Calvary Chapel Villa, where we have the church there in, uh, in Guadalajara, in Villa Zapopan, he was also deported to Mexico. And he went to Calvary Chapel Guadalajara, and now he's pastoring Calvary Chapel Villa. See, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what country you're in. You live for the Lord wherever you are. And that's what Paul is trying to remind us. And that's what Paul is trying to say. See, we are to be a testimony for the Lord. May people see wherever you're at that you are different than the rest of the world. See, when we're in the U.S., we serve the Lord in the U.S. As I mentioned to you with our frequent visits to Mexico, when we are in Mexico, we serve the Lord in Mexico. We are to live for Jesus wherever we are. You know, people, don't, people are to see that there's a difference in you. You know, I've shared this story in times past, and maybe some of you haven't heard it. I, you know, as I one time visited the country of Argentina, Buenos Aires, my wife and I went there, and we went to... Um, to the rainforest there. And I remember I, I met this individual there. He was, uh, he was an indigenous individual there. He was part of the rainforest. 
And I began to share the gospel with him. And you know what? I mean, everyone else, because I went actually with my company, I was awarded that trip to Argentina. And there was a number of us. And, of course, everyone did their own thing. And, and my wife and I, our purpose there was to really be used by the Lord. And, and she was used by the Lord. I'll share this with you quickly. I don't have much time. But one, time, one day we, uh, we were walking down in Argentina. And we were walking with another, uh, uh, some other two women that were with us, and it was myself and the three. And and they told us, don't wear fancy watches, don't wear, don't take your purses, hold on to everything tightly because there's a lot of theft that goes on. And so, as we were there, actually someone came and asked us for directions, and and uh, actually uh, he was a priest, and he saw the watch on one of the girls that we were with, and he grabbed the watch and he ran. And I was foolish enough, and don't, I don't encourage anyone to do this, but I ran after him. And I finally caught him, and I grabbed him by the, by his, by his, uh, by the back of his belt. And he, he moved his, uh, his elbow, and he hit me in the face, and I fell. And all of a sudden, when I look up, you had, there's about, 15 men that are there lined up in the line, and I met them face to face. And I was like, whoa. And so they were also tired of all these things that are going on in Argentina, the, 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 the robberies and the thieves that were there. And so they ended up, as he got to them, unfortunately, they beat him up. And so when they beat him up, uh, you know what, my wife and I went there. We were talking to the police. And, and while he was on the floor, I looked to my right, and I see my wife that's sharing the gospel. You know, in his faith, you know what, he received the Lord. And so that was how God was using us there in Argentina. And then when I, going back to the rainforest, uh, there at the rainforest, I began to share the gospel with this individual that was selling, this indigenous person that was selling these, uh, these souvenirs. And these souvenirs were from the rainforest. There were spears and bows and arrows and, and you know, and all these things that were, that were there. And so... Uh, but one thing that the Spirit of the Lord asked, uh, put upon me was that I was to share the gospel with one of them. And I just kept telling him. And I knew that the Lord was asking me, that the Spirit of God was asking me to, to share the gospel. And so, you know what, as I asked this individual, I asked him, I said, you know what, I know that you're here. And, and I know that you're, you, you, you're part of, uh, 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 of the tribe here. I mean, who do you guys worship? And he began to share with me that he worshiped the sun god, he worshiped the moon god, he worshiped, you know, the star, the god of the stars, and he worshiped all these, you know, these uh, these created things. And I shared with him, I said, well, wouldn't you rather worship the one that created all these things? And he actually said, yes, he said, and I, so I began to tell him about Jesus, and I began to share from the story, and I began to reveal to him who he was. And I asked him, I said, would you like to surrender your life to this individual, to to the God of the universe, the maker of the heavens and the earth and everything in it? And he said, yes. And I was just like, that was amazing, right? And so then, uh, as I asked him, I said, well, what's your information? You know, I'd like to, I asked him if he knew what the Bible was. He had no idea what the Bible was. And so I asked him, well, would you like a Bible, which is God's word? Everything I've been sharing with you written so that you, ha you can know who he is? And he said, absolutely. And so I got his address, and his name was Jose B. Fernandez. 
And when I got his at name, I said, oh, man, Jose B. Fernandez. I think there's a lot of Jose B. Fernandez's here in the rainforest. And he said, it'll tempt me. I said, well, how do I know it'll tempt you? He says, because I'm the leader of Islam. He is a convert leader that I have found in my life, that God used me to bring him into a relationship with the Lord. Again, whatever country you're in, we're called to what? To live for this is why he tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I are called to be the salt and light. Wherever we're at, whatever country you're in, that's exactly what we're called to do. Let's keep reading on and let's read in verse 20. He says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. Paul emphasizes the same point of living for the Lord a third time. But this time he's talking to the free and the slave. And just to give you some background, when Rome was at its most powerful, at the height of a nation... It was estimated that there were 2 million slaves out of a population of 6 million. Imagine that, 2 million slaves out of a population of 6 million. That would mean that 30% of the population would have been slaves. And so we know one thing about slavery has been very common throughout the centuries. And so when Paul wrote the letter here to the Corinthians, many were called to live for Christ. And he reminds them, whether you're a slave or free, you're to live for him. And Paul says, if you're a slave, don't be concerned about your circumstances. But if you're made free, he says, then great. But if you're not free, but a slave, then you belong to the Lord and you are his free man to live for him. And if you are a free man, know one thing, that you live for Christ as a slave. When we think about slavery, we know that today it's not very... Uh, it's not very common, slavery. I mean, there are some places in the world that it's still practiced, but it's not the way it once was. And we know one thing about slavery. It doesn't, it's not accepted in these days. I mean, everybody is, you know, is fighting for freedom, and, and we know that. And, and so when we look at this, right, when we talk about now our occupational status, I am in no way comparing slavery to our freedom, but how can we relate this to our circumstances? And that is to live for him in our occupational status. Because we, you know, and not that slavery is practiced here, but, but what are we to do with when it comes to our occupational status? Look at what he says in Colossians, just to, to direct us in this. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 24, he says, Bond servants, again, that's talking to us. Bond servants, obey in all things your master's according to the flesh. Not with eye service as man pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, 
do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. We are instructed that whatever we do, we do it heartily to the Lord. And here he's focusing really on your occupation. I want to share this with you. As a believer, whenever I work, or as a believer, I should say, that this was my signature verse. I want you to know that. That this is what I would always have on the back of my mind. That even though I did work for some very difficult bosses and I had some difficult times at my job, I always remembered that I served the Lord and not man. And this is how I worked. I worked unto the Lord. And when it came to the compromises that I was asked to do, I would always shun from those because I always remembered that I was working for the Lord, not for man. I remember, you know, after, you know what, our work days, how many times I was invited to go out and to party with them. I would not do those things. I was asked to go out and to drink with them, and I would not do those things. You know, as I remembered, you know, even in Argentina, even as a president of the company was there, we went into a restaurant, but in that restaurant, they ended up having uh, a topless girl come out. And as soon as she came out, I ended up standing up and walking out of the restaurant. See, again, we serve the Lord. We don't serve man. If you're asked to compromise in your job, you walk away. Why? Because we serve the Lord. See, one of the things that I know is that when I worked at my job, I gave the Lord my very best. I gave them my very best. I remember, yes, there were those times that were challenging and you want to slack, but yet, you know what? It's not for us to take advantage of these times. Why? Because know one thing, that the Lord is watching you and you're working for the Lord. As an unbeliever, believe me, I did a lot of the things that I shouldn't be doing. But as, I, but as a believer, I attempted to please the Lord in all that I do. See, we are living for the Lord. And if you understand this, you will always give your very best. If you understand that you live for the Lord, no matter what job you have, you will give your very best, no matter what occupation you're in. And remember this, your character reflects your master. Your character reflects your master. Are you a good reflection? Is your character a good reflection of Jesus Christ? At my job, I want you to know people knew that I was a believer. I would not keep back from anyone. Why? Because they knew that all I did, they knew that I would share my faith. Even in, in opportunities where the Lord opened the door, I would give, I would, I would, I would see that open door and I would share. You know what? Are we just going to our jobs and really not being a reflection of who Jesus is? Are we not living for the Lord at our jobs? You know, I remember before, I, I, as an unbeliever, I would steal from my jobs. I would misbehave at my jobs. I would take advantage at my jobs. But as a Christian, I can't do that. And I didn't do that anymore. Why? Because Again, I wanted to be a good testimony for the Lord, doing what I've been called to do, giving it my very best. And when this happens, people begin to take notice of you. Believe me, when you do things uprightly, when you do things with integrity, when you walk in a manner that is 
righteous, actually God giving your very best, people begin to take notice of that. And they begin to see that you're different and and they begin to what? Give you promotion. They begin to give you rewards. And that's exactly what I had at my job. I began to receive a lot of earthly rewards and I shared that with you. You know, the Lord, as, as he was gracious towards me, as I served the Lord, you know what, out of a, a field, uh, out of a, uh, a, a staff of, I believe there was, there was about 20-something of us field reps in the U.S. You know what, as I served the Lord wholeheartedly, you know what, and we were in the field, and so that means that, you know, we would always have contests. I was, I was the number one person for several years here in the United States as I worked, as I worked 16 years for BMW, the, the German manufacturer. And so, you know what, again, the grace and the strength that the Lord provided, you know what, he allowed me to receive these earthly rewards. But as we see here, the Lord has a greater reward. And as we read here, that he gives us an inheritance. See, we are to live for him and we are to do for him. And this leads me now into the fourth section of today's study. We live for him wholeheartedly. We live for him wholeheartedly. Not half-hearted, remember that. But when we say wholehearted, that means the whole thing. Your whole heart. That's what God wants from us. And why should we do this? Let's read in verse 23 and 24. He says, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. You were bought at a price, he says. And remember what we read in verse 19. Obedience is all that matters. Every single one of you that are in here that have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you were bought by the blood of Jesus. He bought us with his blood. It was the blood of Christ that paid the penalty for our sins. It was his blood that freed us from the penalty of sin. And as we read two weeks ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, he says that you were bought at a price. I want to remind us of where we came from, or maybe some of you are still trying to come out of this place. We all live in darkness. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 13 reminds us, for you were once darkness. This is for all of us. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And because you are light in the Lord, you are to walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You know what? We know through the Word of God what is acceptable to the Lord. By the Spirit of God, we know what is acceptable to the Lord. And then he tells us, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. And I think many of us were a part of this. Remember those things that you would do behind closed doors. Remember those things that you would do in secret, hoping that nobody would see you and hoping that nobody was aware of the things that you were doing. But he goes on to say, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. And for whatever and for whatever makes manifest is light. So again, we were once in darkness, but we're no longer there. And this is how this is the price that he paid for us. He died for these things. And not only that, but what he, did, he tells us in, also in Ephesians in chapter two, verses one through 
3, he tells us that we were once dead. Look at what he says. And you he made alive, who was dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, amongst whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So we see here the world, the enemy of our soul, the devil, the demons themselves, and our flesh. We all were subjected. We were all doing the things that, that they were asking of us. And we were dead in these things. But as he says, we were made alive. See, that is what's so amazing is by our faith in Jesus Christ, he makes us alive. We're no longer slaves to these things, but we are free from these things. And for me, when I surrendered myself to Jesus Christ, I experienced, I was one of those that experienced immediate freedom. Those chains that had me, I felt them coming off because I no longer had the desire and was no longer walking in those things. As he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. That's what's so amazing. Everything that you do, remember that. Whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. You know, as Paul says there, brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. We live for him. Maybe our hearts for those of you that are in the Lord, maybe your hearts aren't burning for Jesus like they once were. Maybe the flame that we once had for Jesus is spent out. Maybe the salt in our lives has lost its taste. Maybe it's time for you to have a heart for Jesus. Maybe we've been practicing religion like a hobby. Maybe reading the word and coming to church and praying has just been a hobby. Maybe there's something that's been missing in our relationship with the Lord. And maybe the Lord is talking to us today about living for him wholeheartedly. Maybe. Maybe there's some new hearts for you. Start that. And don't think that maybe some of our mess-ups are going to keep us from serving the Lord and living for Him. When we look at the saints of old, right? When you look at the saints of old, understand one thing. They messed up. They messed up. But it wasn't how they sinned, but how they sinned. See, when they failed, they got right back up. And they made a decision to live for Christ. When you look at Abraham, remember the mess-ups that he had with his wife, Sarah? How many times did he say that that was her sister? To, uh, uh, to Sarah and to Abinadab. But what did he not do? Remember what he said? 
even to the point of sacrifice for his people. When you look at Noah, Noah for being a just man and walking with God as he built the ark. When you look at Joseph, known for his perseverance and commitment to God as he endured much and went through much. Yeah, there were those early times, remember, as he was filled with pride. Yet, he persevered. Moses, known for choosing the kingdom of God instead of the world and leading God's people out of the world of Egypt. Pay attention to him. Remember, he took it upon himself to free the people, but yet, that wasn't what he was called to do. It was in God's timing. He needed his heart set. He needed his heart to be worked on. He needed the circumcision of his heart to be completed. Joshua, remember Joshua? He was known for his faithfulness in leading the people into the promised land. Caleb, this man was known for wholeheartedly giving his life to the Lord. Ruth. Ruth, remember Ruth, known for her commitment to God, became the grandmother of David. She didn't know God. She was a Moabite. David, known for his heart to please the Lord and becoming the greatest king of Israel. Esther, struggling with giving her life to the Lord, but in the end, known for willingly giving her life to God and for God and for his people. Remember one thing about these people. Yes, they may have messed up. But I guarantee you one thing. They went from half-hearted commitment to wholehearted commitment. And that's what they're known for. What are we going to be known for? What is the Lord and what are people going to say of you when you leave this earth and you go into the presence of the Lord? I'm going to leave you with two scriptures. One, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're not perfect, but we keep moving forward, and we keep drawing closer, and we keep, you know what, becoming more like Jesus. And the other scripture I'm going to leave you with is from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, reminding us of what we're called to do. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh your life today, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, today's study is all about living for him. Living for him in whatever marital status you're in. Living for him in whatever national status you're in. Living for him in whatever occupational status you're in. And the reminder, and we close with this, living for him wholeheartedly. Heavenly Father, we thank you.